Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Books, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Dutch, myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry we're in of writing and publishing. And today we are delighted to have a very special guest all the way from Quebec, Canada. It's Jane Warren, who is a middle grade and a YA author who has come today to discuss a really, really interesting uh, topic about how you can learn to be a better writer. I actually think this is going to be really, really interesting. So, Jane, we are delighted to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm hanging in there. And, of course, we wouldn't <laughs> be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing really well. Thank you, Roland, and welcome to the podcast, Jane. Um, yeah, I think this is is going to be a really interesting topic. It's, it's a little bit different than what we usually um, discuss, but I think it's equally as important because there's a lot of options out there for people that are um, just, you know, starting to write. I know that um, when I was a young man, <laughs> long, long ago, um, and I was looking at university, I was thinking to myself whether or not I wanted to go into writing. And, and at the time, and I actually did. I, I, I applied and I got into the writing program in uh, at York um, and I did go there for my first year but uh, I just I didn't like it it was um it was they they re- it wasn't really a genre writing class it was like they wanted you to write sort of literary stuff you know and the Canadian literary stuff which is even worse you know like I, I'm not a Robertson Davies you know uh uh you know Handmaid's Tale kind of writer you know and and so it just it didn't really interest me so I you know I switched and and I didn't come back to writing till, till much later in my life. But, um, you know, the idea that, you know, you had presented about whether or not getting a master's in fine arts in creative writing is a good path or whether you need that because there are so many other writing workshops out there that um, that people can do that that might be equally or even more beneficial to them. Um, not that you can't do both, but, you know, the it, you don't need a master's in fine arts uh, specifically to be a writer, um, but maybe it helps. So, you know, this is sort of the things we want to talk about, right? So why don't you give us a little bit of a, um, your background and, and, and why this is a topic that, uh, that you want to talk about. Sure. And first, I so hear you when you talk about going into that first year and everything was literary and formal. I didn't ever even know there was creative writing. I just wanted, I was thinking that I was missing to do something important with my life. I was wiping bums and waxing floors. I was a stay-at-home mom. And then there was a short fiction contest for the Calgary Herald. And I, I thought, oh, I always wanted to write. So I sat down, write a story, wrote a story. I didn't win, but I came second and got published. So I thought, ah, this is a breeze. And a really nice writer lady in Quebec sort of reached out, or sorry, in Alberta, reached out and said, look, come and take some classes at the university. I didn't know anything existed. So I went and I got I got shoved into um, poetry and fiction that was something that was just totally off my radar. It was language poetry and you could, you know, break words in half and do things. And it was, for me, it was a great learning experience, but it wasn't me. I'm, and, and I like feminist literature, but I don't want to write it. I love narrative. I love story. I want to get lost in whatever. I grew up reading absolutely everything from science fiction to spy novels to anything but romance is what I would read. So the first couple of classes were a great learning experience, 
but um, I found that it was also very clicky and I didn't last terribly long. Fortunately, we moved to England and then I was realizing what I'd missed because there was, I didn't know anybody or anything and I couldn't plug my way into things. So I just started to write. And so I sat down and thought, well, if I can't write and publish short fiction in Canada, which seemed to be fairly easy when I was doing it back then, I'm gonna sit and learn how to write a novel and I thought I'd try and teach myself. And uh, <laughs> I, I really wish I had spent more time researching or at least taking in more information because I just piddled away a lot of years trying to figure out what to do. It, and I could get so far, but I couldn't get far enough. I could get an agent interested, but not signing. I could get you know, semi-finalist in Amazon's contest, but I wouldn't win. And and then I just kept churning out these things. So finally I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to figure out a better way to teach myself. And I was living in Europe at the time. And, you, and guys, just stop me if I start going on and on about my, my writing journey. But I, I thought, okay, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to try and teach myself uh, in a better way how to write. So obviously my reading and soaking in information from what I'm reading isn't doing enough to get a publication deal. <laughs> so I applied to Oxford for their program. I liked it because you you wouldn't have to spend a full two years there. You could just sort of jump parachute in and out, but I didn't get accepted. So I thought, you know, tears and wringing my neck and I'm useless. And then I thought, okay, I'll apply to somewhere else. And I did get in and it was great. And I made lots of wonderful contacts and it was interesting, but if I'm going to be brutally honest about it, I had two observations. The first was most of the people who were taking the course or taking their master's degree in creative writing were doing so because you needed to have a master's in order to be able to be hired to teach at a college or university level. And I was not interested in that. And my second observation, which I've confirmed with a few people since, was guys, did they teach you anything about structure? Because basically for me, this was just like a giant critique group. So I, you would write and you would submit and your classmates who were lovely and clever and wonderful would critique it. But I was missing, I still missing it many thousands of dollars later, the basic elements that I needed to figure out about structure and pacing and character and drive. And I, not that there's a formula for that. I mean, I, I have my, brought my books with me that I have read through all the way about all the different things one has to learn. Actually, you have saved the cat in there? Of course I have saved the cat in there. <laughs> and but, do you have uh, Orson Scott Card's book? Because oh, I remember reading that one on uh, characters, I think, right? Ta-da! Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a great one, yeah. That might be the only one I actually read from cover to cover. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, he can write a phone book and I would I would read it cover to cover, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the other one, I mean, so so that goes to the essential part of you can, there is no holy grail. In my very first writing class, there was this uh, adorable woman, I said with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, who just wanted the clue for how she, what she could do so she could get published. That was all she was looking for, was the magic formula, the, the save the cat step she could write. And I thought, I, I don't know, it, it, it was it was about the end product now. And not about the growth and, and making the best product you can, just about getting that contract, getting that sale. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'd like to throw that in. Um, and in a deviation, I was in Florida and I met 
this great guy. We went and had lunch and he was a writer. I spend hours a day writing and perfecting my craft. He said, I spend about an hour a day writing and about eight hours marketing. The difference between him and me is not, I'm not going to say it's the product. It's that he can make a living at what he's doing and I can't. So all the power to him. It's just a different approach. But my approach has to do with ego and insecurity and pride. And I want to have the best product I can. So once I finished my master's, we had to have a thesis that we were told would be publishing worthy or you wouldn't graduate. So I figured, okay, we're done now. Got a great mark, got an MFA. I'm going to get a publishing contract. I could not sell that book to save my life. And that's when I stumbled on a workshop. And it was not a first pages workshop or a three chapter workshop. It was a whole novel workshop. And the guy was a publisher and I flew to Boston from Europe <laughs> and I was convinced that this was going to be it. He was going to see me and meet me and he was going to say, oh, this is fantastic. And he did not. But he really gave me a kick in the pants because he, he basically said, okay, you have to rethink how you think novels are written and structure-wise. And this was the first person after $25,000 was spent on a master's degree that had told me, what I needed to know. So then I sort of thought, well, okay, there's other people like this out there. And I just went on, if there's a workshop out there or a seminar, and I think I might improve my situation by taking it, I'm there. I think I take one every couple of weeks, whether it's from the Writers Union of Canada or SCOOBY, uh, the Children's International Children's Writers Group. It's, I have a lot to learn still. So that's, I'm rambling. Please stop me. Please save me. No, you're not rambling at all. This is, a fasc- <laughs> this is a fascinating discussion to come from. I mean, it seems yeah. like you did everything right. You went to the right oh. school. You did the right courses. You did that. But you're you're so correct that that's all about how can you get the piece of paper that will get you a job teaching this stuff and teaching and doing yeah. are two separate things. Yeah, but there's a caveat to that. That could be the program that I chose and I didn't bother doing the research. Well, you could with what I'm doing, you could go to. Um, different universities and maybe Idaho or Vermont College or Children's Writing Center. I can't remember the right name. And they they force you to do more analysis. And I didn't research it because for me it was, oh, it's a master's. It must be wonderful. I must take this. So at some level, yeah, I mean, at some level, you, you, you there has to be an implicit, um, you know, something behind having a master's of fine arts and creative writing that everyone should at least adhere to in their courses. And you'd think that the structure and and pacing and this and that of a story would be like one of those key tenants that would be in every program, even if the programs differ, right? That it seems to me that that's a big failing. And and if it's missing that, I don't know if it's missing just in that one program or if it's missing maybe in all of them. I don't know. Or if it's missing because the assumption was because you submit portfolios to get accepted. And I had a long portfolio of published short stories that they assumed I had knowledge that I didn't have. I mean, I wrote from the seat of my pants. I just totally won it. And I, I was lucky. I mean, I had a lot of publications, but yeah, I mean, they could assume that you have a a certain level of of base knowledge before you get in there. But I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of the courses I would have taken that would have given me that knowledge prior to the university level. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, if they're only hiring people that already know how to write or not hiring, but if they're only accepting people that already know how to write, then, 
I don't know how useful that is, really. Well, <laughs> so so let's say I did know what I was doing. I, I have I have since met people from the same program who, you know, their prof said, "Oh, I really like this. Send it into my my publishing house or send it into my agent," and it's all worked. I just didn't have that experience. And it, it honestly could be me. I'm pretty sure I have some sort of learning disability going on in the background and a little ADD. But I still, despite the fact that I've I found it challenging, I still want to learn how to write the best book I can. And sure. so these workshops are great. And, and I would say if there was one piece of advice I would give to somebody, if you're just beginning, um, take anything and everything don't spend a lot of cash. Highlights is great if you're writing for kids, but it's really expensive. And there's other things you can do in advance. But if you've got a body of work, look for something, look for a workshop or a course that will require you to submit a portfolio in advance. That way you know somebody's actually paid time and attention to what you're writing, that you're going to be put in with like-abled people and hopefully can learn from them and that doesn't and, and there's a lot of workshops it doesn't have to be a grad school or a university course there are a ton of workshops out there but it depends on your genre the age you're writing for and a lot of it is going to depend on where you are i mean how do you learn how do you soak things in i show you this stack of books and i admit that i haven't read them all because it's overwhelming I mean, you, yeah. you, you sit and Some listen. Some of us are, are, are kind of collectors of this sort of thing. I, I I'm admit to that sort of thing, too, where I, I buy a lot of a lot more books about writing than I ever have time to read. Um, but, it, you know, they they speak to me at the time, and, you know, and put it on the TBR. But but yeah, you, you don't always get to it for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I really I, I don't know that it's it was necessarily you like I had that same experience that I you know, you you stuck it out farther than the longer than I did. Right. But, um, you know, it, it, to me, university is very important, but uh, the importance, it, it teaches you various skills. Um, it teaches you one of the skills that, that I think that it teaches you is, is learning how to learn. And I think that that's an important skill. Right. But I don't think that, um, and it opens a lot of doors, right. Having a university or college degree when you're looking for a job, you know, usually a lot of times that's sort of like the first barrier to entry. And if you don't have that, some people won't even look at you. Right. But but you don't necessarily need that degree in your specific field or whatever. I mean, in some fields, obviously you have to, but a lot of them you don't. Writing is one of those ones where you don't need any degree. You could just do it, especially now with self-publishing. But even before that, traditional publishers don't ask for a resume. They don't say, where'd you go to school? They read your book. They read your your submission. Right. Um, so, and, but I found that with other things, like I, you know, I, I draw, uh, I switched out of, out of writing and I went into psychology and I finished, uh, university with a psychology degree. And then I, I got a job bartending, but then I got a job, uh, coding, right. And then I became a developer for the next whole bunch of years, had no computer science degree at all. I, 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 that was just something that I did on the side, right? Like I had a computer, I grew up with computers, knew that sort of thing. And I spent, you know, I don't know, 20, 15 years as a developer and then I switched to product management like I had no skills in that either but but I had a degree and I had you know other work experience like you don't need it right and especially for writer you know you you have to do what works for you and maybe those programs work for some people but I think as you're saying like it doesn't work for everybody and it's not a requirement for sure agreed I, think I, I, I agree sorry 
Go on. Oh, well, I, I thought it was interesting. You said you submitted all these short stories and, and you were kind of self-deprecating about that. But I think one of the things is we as people who read and are interested in stories, to a certain extent, before we get taught what a story is, we understand instinctively to a certain level. I read through a few of my earlier books and I'm like, this is a really good story, actually. But later on, I it was particularly there's a guy called Dan Harmon who wrote this thing called the story circle. And when I found out about that, it, it changed my life because I could see how stories were structured. And then I could be like every story I write has to be structured like this. But if I look back at my previous ones, some of them were structured just like that. So I was doing it right without necessarily doing it. And maybe that's the same with your short stories. You've got what it takes. It's just sometimes you don't understand the magic that you're producing, even though you're producing it. OK, so I, I absolutely love that because I think that's a story but with novel I think when you read in a genre and you internalize a lot of the pacing and everything that's supposed to happen but and so I think that's how the first novel that I wrote did even though it was not good it did as well as it did it got the agent interested it got the Amazon interested I know it wasn't right but I intuitively without understanding a whit about structure had internalized everything I've read and I think you know, that's obviously because you've sold well, you've done well. You, that's what you were able to do. You were able to read, internalize, and reproduce. Something hiccuped for me in the middle, which to terms of pacing, it's that fat middle or that saggy middle. But I get it now, but I only get it now for the book I'm writing now. And I don't know if I'm going to get it for the next book because I don't think all books follow Save the Cat. And I don't think we pants or plot our way through every book, but that could be very, very, um, what's the word? You're on camera, dear. Hello, folks. Take off. Okay. <laughs> that could um, be controversial. So. No, I think. I mean, I think every single story has to be its own thing. And if you produce, if you like, I've, I don't know about you, but when I watch mainstream Hollywood movies, sometimes I'm like, oh, they're following Save the Cat, and it's like a checklist of like, oh, look, this scene, this scene. And it's satisfying, but at the same time, it takes you out of it because you know it's just a product. And I think what you want to be able to do is create a satisfying product that doesn't feel like it's a product. Exactly. So here's the thing about, and that's going to segue into the pantsing and plotting and the, the discussion of form and shape. If you are meticulously following Save the Cat or the Hero's Journey or any one of those forms, and that's, that's what you're doing. I'm at page 10, so this is where I should be. Um, this is what the hero's facing. This is what should happen now. That's great. You might have structure but you're not surprising anybody. I think you need to at one point, this is where I am now, it may not be where I am next month, and it wasn't where I was two years ago, but I think you have to just step back some at some point and let the characters come alive and talk to you. Otherwise, they won't surprise you, and if they don't surprise you, they're sure as shoot not gonna surprise your reader. So just like you said in those Hollywood movies, if I'm picking up a book and I kinda know what's gonna happen, I'm totally disengaged. But if I am engaged, I'm thinking, oh, this reader is doing something with character that just has my heart or has surprised me and the characters aren't reacting the way I think they should, which has totally engaged me. So um, I have taken pantsing workshops. I have taken plotting workshops. And I am of the feeling that that's great, but neither of them are exactly right every time. You have yeah. to be able to go to every book where you are at that moment with yourself and what the project is asking for. How's I think pantsing for... and plotting 
Yeah, I think passing and plotting is almost like a spectrum, right? You can yes. you can be on one end or the other, um, or you can be anywhere in the middle, right? I don't think I I'm certainly more of a plotter than a pantser, but if all, when I'm writing my story, my characters take me in a different direction, I'm not going to stop and be like, nope, that's not what I planned, and and then rejigger it. I will certainly go with it, but then I might go and revise my 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 plan for the book right just because i like to to know the ending i like to know you know where i'm going with the story so that i don't just get completely lost in the weeds oh but you see i think that's different i think knowing where you're going is almost you almost need to know that at the beginning in order to write well but then you have to let yourself go in the middle True, true <laughs> pantsers would say they don't know, right? We, well, did, we did an episode and of that, and I, I personally find that stressful, just even hearing that people write that way. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> but I'm not a true anything. But, okay, here's another just tossing at you. When either of you are sitting down to write and you've got this idea um, and you are trying to outline it or plot it or figure out where you're going, do you ever get a little stuck and just park the project for a while? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So when that happens, so this is my latest new exciting discovery for me anyway, is when that happens, I just think, oh, forget the plot. Let's just let the character talk and play. And in the latest one that I'm working on, I'm going, wait a minute, she's not this person. She's this person. And all these ideas sort of shifted. And then you kind of fall in love with the new person. You say, okay, now what have I got here? And if you don't do that, I mean, I'm, you get the mechanical story that I wrote in my master's thesis, which is just one shaggy dog story after another, which is, oh, who's that, who's that Polish writer who, whose work was turned into first a computer game, then a TV show? Mm. Oh, it's a big uh, Netflix uh, series. Oh, it wasn't Ready Player One. It was the, oh, uh, Halo. No, it's um, Fantasy. But in any oh, case, if you... Oh, oh Witcher. Um, the Witcher. Yes, yeah, The, the Witcher. Witcher. If you read those books, those original books, you're just going, wow, it's, it's really, it reads like a computer game. You go, he goes here and then he does this and then he does this. And I'm thinking, so what? <laughs> and that, yeah. but somebody saw something in there and was able to turn it into something that had a line and a story into it. And yeah, it takes, it takes a while to find that for me anyway. And I, Hey, if you guys have any ideas for me, I'm here to learn. You can be my workshop because well, I think you may, I, I, stuck. I think you highlighted a really good point about you're writing one character and then you thought, oh, she's not like that. I remember I once threw out 40,000 words of a story because it was a sequel to a book. The character had just lost his best friend. And so he was I, I had him wrote 40,000 words of him being super depressed. And at the end, I'm like, he wouldn't be depressed. He'd be angry. But if he was angry, I'm going to have to write the whole story again because everything he does in it is different. And then I wrote that and I managed to complete that book. But that's a problem with pantsing is sometimes you can go really far down the pantsing route and realize that you hit a brick wall. Okay, I, I call your, that's <laughs> the problem with pantsing. And I raise you, that's the problem with plotting. You decided that you were going to go somewhere with a guy who was probably depressed. So you'd planned yeah. his depression. So, I and again, yeah. I, I don't know that you could have gone with it and and changed it if if you um if you wanted and and made it a story about being depressed instead of about being angry right but then you but then you say you hit the brick wall you didn't know where to go from there and that that is why i find pantsing to be a harder thing because 
I need to know where I'm going and I might okay. write myself into a into a corner and not know how to get out of it, right? And right. not like, you know, sometimes you watch, um, you know, a, a movie or a show and, and, and you know, they ended on a cliffhanger and it's like some crazy thing happens. You're like, how are they possibly going to get out of that? And then the next episode, they get out of it through some stupid way that just is so, you know, like they clearly had no idea how to get out of it either. So they just like made up some plot device that never entered into anything until then. It was, oh, but I have this pen in my pocket that I can use to, you know, I like whatever, you know, but Bobby <laughs> Ewing in the shower, it was all a dream. Yeah, all the dream is the worst of it, right? The only ones that did that right was Newhart when they ended. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I think that um, that is one of the one of the fears. So um, you know, definitely, it's like I said, it's a spectrum. And but uh, but so to go back, I mean, you know, all these. So you you took courses and you have the books, um, and they're all not created equal as well, right? So you're gonna get courses that that are good and, and, and some that aren't. And I guess when you, you had mentioned to me uh, before this, that you'd taken one from Orson Scott Card and that one of my favorite writers and um, you know, that I'm sure was a fascinating one, uh, whether or not he taught you anything of value. I, I imagine he did. He wrote, he wrote one of the best books about writing our character viewpoint that I, that I've read. Um, so I imagine there's no reason why his, his course, his workshop wasn't good as well. Can I tell uh, you about but, it? Sure, yeah. It was a hoot. So it was in Utah, and I was just so yeah. determined to meet him. And at the time, all I knew was I'd read Ender's Game and um, Speaker for uh, the Dead. Or? Speaker for the Dead, and, and loved, absolutely loved both of them. And so I, I did my su- submission by portfolio. And I knew nothing about it except I was going to get to spend five days with this guy. And then I had friends writing me saying, well, you know, he's – He's very homophobic, and and I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> and and I I didn't know what to do, so I thought, well, I'm going to go anyway, but I'm going to take a stand. So if he if he has uh, he brings politics into the writing sphere because for me everything stays separate. You want to teach me about writing, great, but I'm not here to listen to your politics or your religion. If he does that, then I'll just thank you very much, and I'll you know pack up my little computer and head home. He was great, and what people tried to introduce politics into the classes he's he said just what i said we're here to talk about writing that's not the place for it in the classroom but the way we did it okay so you applied by portfolio and then they told you if you were accepted into this to the uh, boot camp or if you were just accepted into the class so there was 13 of us in the boot camp we were kind of like the the last supper there and but you started the day with with a nice room 50 people or so who were just there to listen to him speak he went through all this he went through a lot of the submissions and talked about positives and negatives and gave us learning points from from there talked about concepts and i also realized that okay he's been publishing for so long that his publishing information was way out of date but that's okay i didn't mind but in the workshop this was like (laughs) this was the highlight one of the highlights of my writing life he didn't let you bring something to it that you um, had been working on, have a look at it. He sent you to write something completely fresh and you had one night to write it and bring it to class. I'd had a germ of an idea, but I'd never written anything. So, I mean, I wrote the shortest piece. I mean, it wasn't more than 2000 words and brought it to class. Some people wrote 10, but he started with me and I thought I was gonna faint dead away. But he stood up 
And I swear to God, this man had, he had sore, open sores on his legs. He was not well. I mean, he was not a healthy fellow, but he stood up for almost 50 minutes and he riffed like a stand-up comedian talking about my little piece of writing. And I just think what an idiot I was not to record this because it was just awesome. And he, okay, so this is where I get to, this is my highlight. He said, this is one of the most original, fascinating ideas I have read in years. I love this. And I, I haven't been able to sell it. I mean, it just died That's on the awesome. table, but it was so, great. It was, yeah. Sorry. So just, just, I mean, just personally, I just trying to understand how that works. So you, you went out and wrote and everyone wrote and you said some wrote 10,000 words, some wrote a thousand, and then you came back to the workshop and he went through it. So when did he read it? Like right there in the class? Well, he comes with his wife or he, at this time he came with his wife and everything would be photocopied and returned. And yeah, it, and you would, you would get it that morning. I can't remember the structure. If you would, you would have to have it read by the afternoon. Um, but yeah, we had three days with him, I think. And and during the course of that time, everybody read everything and he read everything. And I think mine actually was done first, not because he was so complimentary and laudatory, but because it was the shortest. And it was yeah, maybe that's all he had time. Oh, yeah, all the time he had to read it. That, that's, I mean, that's awesome to get that sort of personal critique from him. Um, although it is kind of like what happens if you just can't think of anything good in that time the stress of that one girl was one girl was late she was about 24 hours late she was in tears because I think the people who applied were people who adored his writing and she just wanted him to recognize her she had a great idea I still remember her idea but yeah it did it was it was really cool that is awesome, yeah. So, uh, so that one. Can I ask, like, how much does some uh, like a workshop like that cost? So that would have been something I should have looked up, and I didn't. So I'm guessing. No, I'm serious. Um, I'm guessing it's closer to between six hundred and eight hundred dollars. But compare that, that was, to thirty thousand. Well, for MFA, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but that was for the course itself. Then you know you don't live in Utah, so you had to travel there, and yeah. they put you, they put you up and give you food, and or or is that you, you okay? So everyone is everyone is different. So for example, highlights, it's a package deal. Your food's included, your residence is included. I'm pretty sure I did one in England where it was probably about 1,200 pounds, three days. Um, only thing I had to do was get myself across the pond. Um, and yes, you had your, your stately home, you had your teachers, you had your critiques, you had your food and you had your agents to pitch to. And it, everything is completely different. So it's just a matter of research. I didn't have, I had the luxury at the time of not worrying about it and lots of free air miles. So I could pop all over the place, but, um, there, if that is something that's not possible for you, you can do a webinar. One of some of the best courses I've taken have been $25 Canadian webinars from a group out of Vancouver called Inkwell. They bring in all these incredible writers um, and they put on these terrific seminars that are just kind of mind blowing. And I just did one. It was $15 from the SCBWI about how to deal with the acquisitions process. And it was so great. And then you got to submit your work to an editor you couldn't normally submit to unless you had an agent. So these things are everywhere and whether they're in residence or not full manuscript partial or just craft um yeah the price ranges from free to many thousand 
And where are you finding all of these uh, webinars? I love the computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously on the internet, but is there sort of a repository of, of information okay. that you can go to? Or Well, okay, it depends on your genre. Um, I'm currently working in children's, so I belong to the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. That's international. I belong to Canscape, which is a Canadian association of writers and illustrators and performers, I think. Um, TWOC, uh, the Writers Union of Canada for Published Writers. And all of these Canadian Authors Association, they all put on courses and seminars. And so when I join these groups and their marginal fees, maybe a hundred dollars a year, um, and you just go to their websites and you say, okay, for Scooby, for example, the, the international children's writing one, I can go and look at North Dakota, or I can look at Singapore and I can see, okay, what have they got on that I can, that's interesting to me. And I can just pop in, um, conferences, the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's tons of things at conferences that give you information and then just a step further if you're ready access to agents and publishers so i, I am i'm probably course addicted in fact i'm missing a course today so i can talk to you but oh, i'm going to go and take the recording and watch it afterwards <laughs> well that's i uh, appreciate you prioritizing us <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the challenge is one of the challenges these days is there are so many courses and there's so much material. And I know in terms of Craig and I work a lot with other authors about marketing books. And we know that there are a lot of authors who weren't doing so well as authors. So they've almost reinvented themselves as course producers who will tell you how to sell gazillions of copies of, of their books, even if they haven't necessarily sold that many. So there, are, it's difficult, I think, to find, to, to be able to navigate what's really good and what's not so good and and like is that how do you approach that okay so i approach that with um <laughs> the principle of readiness so i could be taking the best course in the world and i might not be ready to absorb it because of where i am either in my my writing spectrum how much i've grown or not grown or where i am in the current project that i'm working so i i'm i have become quite relaxed about it in one of you guys mentioned it earlier, you know, you take what you can out of a book, something spoke to you in a book, it, or, and I'm the same way with a course, I'll hang on to a nugget of something, I'll go, okay, I'm going to use that, I might miss the rest of it. But if I didn't drop a $1,000 on it, I'm not going to panic about it either. I'm just going to take what I need at the time. And I, I firmly believe that you have to be able to self evaluate, what are you ready to take in? What do you need right now? I don't need a course on structure, but I need somebody to, uh, I need a reader. So I found a, a fantastic beta reading service. When my friends beta read, even some of them who are professional editors, they're good. They're really good, but they're also my friends. So I'm not getting the, the uh, that I really need. So there's this place called Darling Axe out of Vancouver, and you can actually hire beta readers and they will find four people who will read in your genre and they will give you big picture concepts. They're not going to go page by page, but they will tell you where, where things are sagging. Like when uh, I, I took a radio, how to write for radio seminar and you would be reading your piece. And the, the deal that the producer said was, okay, you stick your hand up when you've lost, when somebody has lost your attention. And that's what I need to, somebody to do at this stage in my writing is stick their hand up and say, yeah, chapter 24, 
I don't get it. And, and then just move on. I don't need them to tell me how to fix it. I want the ownership of that. I just want to know where the hiccups are. Um, I also want to know, <laughs> I want to know a little bit more about character. When you guys write, do you, do you write characters that are reflections of yourself or are you just totally in a different world? I throw myself way too much into it and I think I have off-putting main characters because they're too much like me. So I need to put myself in somebody else's body. I find this so interesting. So Gore Vidal said that most writers have 10 characters inside their head. Oh, some like of them that. have 15, some have 20. But basically, you have it's like you're Shakespeare and you've got a troupe of 10 actors. And when you write a book, you take these actors and you put them into the certain parts. So if you read books by the same author, you'll see the same characters or shades of the same characters again and again. And I mean, I find a lot of my characters are based on people I know. It's, um, I remember I wrote one book and I was struggling to find characters. So I literally like, OK, I'm going to get my wife to play this part. I'm going to get my father-in-law <laughs> to play this part. And I, I did and I wrote it. But I think character is so important because if you really know your character, then writing a book becomes, OK, what if I had this character and this character and they were put into this situation? How would they react? And it's almost sure. like... A, the book writes itself if you know the characters really well and that's where really good satisfying stories come from i think is when they're character driven it's like i had um my book was about you know this husband and wife were getting divorced uh and the the wife's daughter who was the the husband's step daughter got okay. kidnapped that same day and then he was like i know we're getting divorced and you hate me but i'm gonna help you get your daughter back and so that was the crux of the situation and then you know that built the whole thing of you had this this husband and wife who hated each other and were divorced and yelling at each other all the time except also they both loved the daughter and wanted to get her back and they learned by the end of the book that, you know each other's strengths so i think having really strong characters is so important but the the best characters can be characters you just you you know intimately from real life you just steal them and in your head you know i get my friends and i put a different hat on them and maybe a fake mustache and they play a role in this book but they're almost like the they're almost like how arnold schwarzenegger always plays himself jack nicholson <laughs> always plays himself these characters always end up playing themselves kind of so first off great premise i love that <laughs> that's great what's the name of the book i need to write that down oh it's called high point i'll send you a, i'll send you a link okay thank you Okay, I love that. Um, I, there and there was. I, sorry, go ahead, Craig. No, I was just going to say, if I always wrote stories uh, featuring myself, my books would be super boring. <laughs> before, um, so yeah, I think that you know, like a role in it, you pick people from your lives. But if you don't know a lot of people, that also sort of constrains you. We we recently recorded an episode with somebody. Um, she was, you know, in her thirties and she wrote uh, a story that featured an elderly man with dementia. And that, and that was sort of the, the whole topic of the podcast was how do you write characters that are very different from yourself, but still be authentic with them and not stereotypical and all that stuff. And that's always sort of the danger, right? Is, uh, is falling into those traps of like, you know, I saw a show about that. So I know how it is, you know, Ooh, <laughs> you yeah. do it's good also research and. Yeah. Also a hot button topic now, writing from right. um, authority, voice authority and own voices. And yeah. Right. Right. And then you want to use beta readers and sensitivity readers and all that stuff to make sure you, you get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you, oh, go ahead. You had a No, point. I was just thinking, I, I like this. Uh, you have these different characters living inside you. I'm afraid that mine might be Lady Macbeth though. So I don't, 
I'm not sure that's the best way for me to go. No, but I just find it hard to, um, yeah, I imagine other people, but I can't stay with the other people. They, they have to come alive. So I will, why I have a character who's a, who's the bad guy and I, I can see, I know who this bad guy is, but if I write too close to the way I'm seeing the bad guy, it just doesn't work. I, I need to have him grow and, and come to life on his own. I'm not saying it well. But I, I, I like think it. a lot of people think empathy is the one of the skills that really sets apart real writers is when you can have a writer, he doesn't necessarily sympathize or, or excuse the behavior as villains, but he has empathy to understand where they're coming from. Stephen King, I think, was very good at that. He'd write complete monsters. The monsters in his books aren't the clowns and the, the things like that. They're the horrible, horrible characters. But at the same time, he writes the characters so you can believe and understand why maybe they're doing the things. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean it's okay. They're still monsters. But at the same time, they're the kind of monster you, you like. Well, maybe they're, but for the grace of God, I could have been that monster. I have to admit, I've only ever read one Stephen King <laughs> even though his book on writing I don't have, it's supposed yeah. to be one of the best. I was going to ask actually whether you had that. It's a brilliant one. His book, yeah, that's another one I read that is uh, uh, very good. And and I'm also not a Stephen King fan. I read his fantasy novel, something about a dragon, back many many years ago. But I'm not much of a horror reader. So, uh, but but I do I do agree that for me. Uh, when I read a book, and, and not Stephen King, any any author, that when they have this villain, but at some point they go to the trouble of explaining why the person became the villain, and and that is uh, makes sense to me. Uh, uh, it is a matter of you know empathizing, not sympathizing, but um, it that is that makes it far more authentic to me, and I, I really enjoy that more than he's a villain for the sake of being a villain. Like, you know, the Bond villains, they're always like, you know, they're just evil for the sake of being evil, right? They don't really, in most Bond movies, explain why they became like that. Um, whereas, you know, when you read a lot of books these days, they'll they'll sort of show that sort of side of, of the villain where, yeah. why, why are they like that, you know? Professor Snape. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, right, yes. And example, from, yeah. from the very, but you knew there was something there because from the first books, he was one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters, even though he was supposed to be the baddie. That the, the um, cliched villain, the the stereotype of the bad guy in your book, your antagonist, that was my most constant um, edit, first from my agent and then from my publisher, who was I think it was pretty good by the time she got it, and so she didn't have too much. But I I had to do exactly what you said, Craig. I had to soften him make him more real i had to make him their word would be more likable but that really is just code for okay he just cannot be black and white he has to have a reason or else it's not you lose your reader you're not engaging them i'm not saying you want the reader to empathize with them or to sympathize with them just they say okay that's where he's coming from yeah but i still don't like him and he still shouldn't do it right and that's yeah. yeah exactly exactly what it is and now have you found a course that teaches that (laughs) <laughs> I did once in yeah. the Netherlands. Um, I was living there at the time, though, so it didn't cost me anything to travel. <laughs> and it was taught by a, a writer called Sandra Nichol. And you can find her. She writes children's books now, but she went to um, Vermont College of Art, I guess, for writing. And she did a great, 
great seminar on antagonists and protagonists and sidekicks. And she, I, I, I kept that sheet. It was tremendous. Do I go through and analyze my own work page by page? Do I do what some writers do and do spreadsheets for every scene? No, I am more, I, I think I'd stop writing if I had to do that, my head would explode. But that works for some people. And I think that's kind of my point. So you take a course like I did from this uh, Melissa, oh, I can't remember her name now, this very famous and extremely widely published children's writer. And she talks about how she would break down every book she wrote into spreadsheets and about what characters are there and what happened and did this, was this making this happen and this making this happen. And I looked at that and I thought, well, that's just bloody lovely, but there's no way in hell I'm doing that. I just can't think like that. My mind does not work that way. And I think it's fantastic that she's found what she needs, but I didn't get what I needed from that workshop. I got the concept of let's have continuity. Let's make sure you don't have a useless chapter, but that's not the process I'm going to go to. And everybody I believe needs to find their own way of working. And I don't know, maybe next year, if I'm still at the game, I will do that, but I doubt it very much because I'm pretty sure I've got ADD. Well, I think that's, that's a prerequisite for writers, isn't it? <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think when you take all these courses, um, and and re and especially when you when just from reading, you sort of you're absorbing it, right? And it all becomes mis mix matched in your head or whatever. But it, it it just makes you into a stronger writer in general. You don't have to sort of be thinking as you're writing through the steps that you went through in workshop A or B. Uh, you just you just automatically become a better writer from being a, being you know in all those classes and reading so many books and seeing how other people doing it did, did it and and then pulling it into your own sort of bag of tricks and i think that's so, that's sort but of i think some you know. people are are analysts by nature my husband does not understand why i don't know what's going to happen every single step along the way and he would be able to plot every single step along the way but i don't think he could write what i write either i don't think he could make it as alive but he would analyze it if he'd done writing yeah. he would be able to analyze it whereas i know i don't have the facility and i think it just can't i've seen so many people get i mean i i was a teacher i've given lectures in writing and i top rating workshops. And I've seen people get frustrated because they can't seem to cope with uh, or make what they're doing fit save the cat or fit the hero's journey. And I just want them to relax and write their own journey, write their own project when they do and just step back and try and get the big picture why it's not working. Because I don't think there is one right answer. And we have, Craig, you said earlier, there, the internet is full of all these courses. Or Roland said it earlier, people who are trying to living at how to teach and how to become a big writer. But it's their system and their system doesn't need to be yours. So this is really very, very baloney that I seem to be feeding, but you have to take this at your own pace and come to it when you can. And as long as you are as stubbornly persistent as jackass as I am, I mean it'll work. And you don't it's, it's this wonderful, nice time now where there's this whole world open to you, whereas before that, that definitely was not the case. You don't have to run the gauntlet anymore. Well, now, 
unfortunately we are uh, coming to the end oh. of the hour so we have to wrap things up but uh, this has been such a fascinating discussion i found it really really interesting and i think a lot of people listening mm-hmm. will who might have come into writing you know trying to take the the technical approach from a university point of view and then you know you learn a lot of it on the way i think people are going to find it really interesting uh craig do you have any final questions uh, no final questions. I, I you know, I, I agree though. There's there's a lot here that I think was really really interesting, and I think it's a great overall discussion just about writing and and how you sort of <clears throat> figure all that stuff out and and the different paths you take. There's different courses for everybody. Some people the MFA would work. Other people don't need that. Just take the courses that speak to you that 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 will teach you what you think is needed in your to to fill out your own bag of tricks and and just you know write what you want to write and it doesn't matter if it follows save the cat or or whatever it's you know all those things are just just different tools and they're they're going to work better for some people than they are for others and if i'll just say one last thing is just keep writing yeah just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing because that's what's important to you it's going to work and yeah and we we need more books better books keep writing keep learning Oh, well, that is fantastic. Now, Jane, where can people find out more about you? Do you have a website uh, that you can direct people to? I do. Yeah, it's um, janebairnwarren.com. And it's not a blog or anything like that anymore. It's just who I am and how to contact me. That is great. Well, we'll make sure to pop a link down in the description down below. And uh, guys, while you're checking that out, while you're down there, why not leave Jane a comment and let uh, let her know how much you've appreciated everything she shared with us today. If you're down there and you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. There's also a little bell icon so you can click to get notified every time we release a new episode. And thank you so much, Jane. It was a real pleasure to have you on the, the podcast. And we are so excited to see what people uh, think about everything you've had to share with us. So everybody's listening. Thanks. Thank you so much for for another episode and we'll be back next week with a brand new adventure for fully booked